2: Good morning, this is Ellie Weiss, and welcome to Our Wild World. As previously mentioned, and all over our Facebook pages, Wild Eyes Observers at CITES COP17, the Convention of International Trade in Endangered Species of Fauna and Flora. As we stated in our previous episode, this convention of parties that's the representative member nations that are volunteered to be guided by the CITES principles is sure to be one of the most contentious meetings of recent history and, for that matter, our memory. As the world has dramatically changed since CITES was ratified in 1963, and we've learned that many of the decisions made there previously have changed the history for many of the species that are endangered now that we've lost. And as such, Rhino is on the table. We're going to get into that further on this program with my guest today, Lorraine Liebenberg of Save Our Rhino. Uh, Save Our Rhino is the oldest and biggest group of its kind on Facebook, dating back to 2009. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Lorraine.
3: Hi, Inatsa, nice to meet you.
2: It's nice to meet you too. So uh, tell us a little bit about you, Lorraine, and how you got to this point um, of passion in your life, you and I are of uh, a bit older generation, and uh, we've been seeing our world change dramatically under our very feet. So tell us a bit about you and how this led to you joining Save Our Rhino, and then tell us about Save Our Rhino.
3: Well, I'm already a grandmother children all grown-up i um, always had a love of animals of nature of wildlife but I think the passion was ignited in me 25 years ago when we moved from the southern part of South Africa to Gauteng where we are now um, which is about four hours drive from the Kruger National Park and I visit the park every single year without fail and sometimes twice a year. I've just been very privileged that I did all of the seven nature walks in the wilderness walks in Kruger National Park. I have been to the Serengeti, to the Masai Mara. The people that I have met in my journey till the year are the people that have taught me so much. Great rangers, conservationists, and I'm an avid reader. and. Seeing what is being happening with the poaching in this country, uh, the, what's happening to our wildlife, just got this feeling in me that I'm, I can't leave this if there are not people who act, who stand up for the wildlife. We've got to be their voices. We're going to see them disappear. And what's happening to the rhino is tremendous. It's, it's a terrible thing that's going on here.
2: So, my guess is, since you've been doing this for quite some time and involved, then uh, you probably saw, during some of your trips to the Kruger, wild rhino in place, yes? Oh,
3: wonderful, wonderful photos. I'm talking about crashes of rhino, where you see a group of 10, 11, 12 rhino together. I haven't seen that in a long time. And what to me is so tragic now with the situation that we've got now going to the park if you see a rhino you actually say please please disappear in the bush we don't actually want to see you i i you start looking at the other cars if the other cars around you who's in those cars as by last trip last year i stopped the tiniest tiniest little baby following mom and I actually sat there with tears in my eyes thinking mommy are you actually going to survive to bring up your baby this is is that's a tragic
2: you know you just highlighted to me how tragic this is I spend a lot of time in southwest and southern Africa but not in south Africa where the majority of rhino are on private farms and are bred and that's a lot of what is going on at CITES, rhino breeding farms versus, let's say, free ranging wild rhino wow. that get to breed who, with who they choose and have babies. And every one of these rhino in wild rhino are highly protected now. And then you've got the highly protected breeding areas, such as in Kenya and that you are used to restock rhino in national parks but south africa is very different so let's talk just a little bit about this difference and that you know who the who and what the rhino are in south africa they're not able to run free and wild because as i understand most of the land is fenced and these are bred and they're bred for their horn and for hunting it is still legal to kill a rhino South Africa. Correct?
3: Okay. Um, We have to differentiate. You must remember that parks like Kruger National Park are big. We are talking an area which is bigger than the than the size of whales. It's big. That is free rhino. It's free wild rhino. We're not talking about the smaller reserves that are fenced off and so on. You must also remember that they have opened up the fences. A lot of the fences on the western border of Kruger National have Rhino passing into the private conservancies in that area. So they've extended the area of the park as well. It's You cannot drive from the south to the north in one day. Impossible. The conservancies on the western border uh, of the park, now the fence has been opened up in areas on the eastern border which is the border with um, Mozambique and that is the, the Limpopo area over there and um, there's been a lot of poaching there
2: That's it's basically from- ground zero for rhino poaching where yes. um, friends such as Damien Mander and the International Anti-Poaching Foundation are yes. on that thin green line between Mozambique and the Kruger and that's where, when you hear a lot of rhino being poached, these are the free-ranging rhino that are being taken under horrible circumstances. And sometimes, I was looking the other night at the full moon, and it's hard to look at a full moon now because we call it a poacher's moon. and uh, we, call it,
3: we call it the blood moon, really.
2: So, yeah, the poacher's moon or the blood moon, because now we know rhino can be seen in full light under a full moon so this is a really dangerous area that Lorraine is talking about dangerous for Rhino and dangerous for the people who want to go in and poach them and dangerous for the people who are trying to protect the Rhino so um, Lorraine tell us a little bit more about your the group Save Our Rhino which listeners is not to be confused with the group Save The Rhino Um, So Lorraine was telling me how Save Our Rhino, the oldest group on Facebook, is organized and you don't accept donations, but you're geared toward a collaboration of parties, so so to speak. Tell us some about that.
3: The founder of this group was from a poaching incident in 2009 when um, two rhinos were poached in the Kruger's Dork Game Reserve, which is near Johannesburg. Uh, very cruel faces hacked open, and when she came home and she started searching, she discovered, but there was nothing that was actually looking at this. So she started the group at that time. We we are a close group. We're over nineteen thousand members now, um, but we are very much like-minded people. Um, our members of our group come from all walks of life. Uh, we are both local and international members, but we've got not only ordinary members of the public, we've actually got a lot of game rangers, leaders of organizations, um, uh, 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 veterinarians, members of anti-poaching units, police, conservationists, biologists, um, you name them, they are there. And a lot of them will not say much in the group but they follow the news. The people that are in the sensitive, more sensitive areas of anti-poaching, they they follow the news. They get the news from us. We we really publish a lot every single day, bringing the news, anti-trafficking, poaching, and general conservation from mostly Africa, but certain issues as well, from the Asian markets, tigers, um, uh, uh, these animals that are involved in the illicit trade uh, markets. Those are the type of things we bring onto our group. At the, at this As a result of that, we get a lot of um, discussion and ideas get thrown around, and the news then from our group gets spread out, and we are then creating awareness of what is going on in the country and in the rest of Africa.
2: So being a private group, uh, what does that mean in the sense, so people can go to your page and see what's going on, can they request to be a member or do you bring in new members? Um, they
3: request, they request to be okay. a member. On it. well, because I- it's a group, we have to screen as best as we can, who do we let into the group, There are... Some suspect accounts out there. There are false profiles. There's no way that you can keep any group completely safe. Uh, so you do, will not do confidential stuff in the group itself. But as the administrators of our group does a, do a lot of work behind the scenes, we do research, we write blogs, we will get information from people out in the field who are looking for who can they contact about something they have found out. And we will know who they can contact. We can pass that message on. So although we will not get involved in any incidents, we do know who we can pass it on to.
2: This is an important thing for our listeners to understand that Facebook is a global outreach program. But as Lorraine just said, it is also a sieve for a lot of false accounts, false information. Um, I've known of a lot of groups that get hacked, so to speak, by, I'm going to use the word spy in quotation marks so that they can gain information to be used cross-purposes against the purpose of the group so be careful when you're out there on facebook and it's great to know that save our rhino group is very much an investigative group they are geared to providing sound solid information and uh, gathering information from the field to share amongst the members to protect the wildlife. So this is a very focused, very functional, and great group. If you want to know what's going on, then just definitely go visit Save Our Rhino. I'm, I'm assuming, and you're on Twitter as well? A
3: great tool. Twitter is yes. one of the best tools in the world. It's the way to get the news out and get people interested. You can tag people out and out and out. And we've got great followers um, on our Twitter account.
2: So Twitter is an excellent tool to find quick news blurbs. So follow Save Our Rhino on Twitter and go read their Facebook page because there's great yes. information.
3: We are at Save Our Rhino K9. That is our Twitter handle.
2: Okay, we will put that out there and uh, retweet and post that. So um, I have here that you're a registered group with the Department of en- Environmental Affairs.
3: Yes, you, mostly... the, the, the The organisations which are registered with the Department of Environmental Affairs are properly registered organisations, non-profits, uh, that type of organisation. Now, we are not registered as a non-profit or as an organisation. We're just a group. But with the Committee of Inquiry, the hearings that they were doing in last at the beginning of last year we applied to be able to present our side of what we think about trade and non-trade and as a result of that they actually registered us so <laughs>
2: That's excellent. That's
3: a unique way we are. It
2: it is unique. Uh, You know, this is excellent, and it tells you the power of social media. That when you do present really good information and don't devolve into arguments about one thing or another, but are there to provide solid, good information, it's respectful and uh, as Lorraine just said, you get registered. So once again, I want to reiterate, Save Our Rhino is not a nonprofit group. They do not accept donations. They are not swayed by any political party or by money. So they stay true to their mission and uh, getting information out there. So right now, we have to step away for a short break, but stick with us, because we're going to get into a little more detail about the Rhino trade, pro, horn trade, and anti-trade. So stick with us, we'll be right back.
1: Ask the experts. Call toll free right now. 1 866 472 5787. And ask our All Star team to answer your questions. That's 1 472 5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big. Scary. Beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up, our forests don't grow, our communities go hungry, our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect, it's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective.
0: We're on the cutting edge of social media.
1: Can you keep up? Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World
2: This is Ellie Weiss with my guest Lorraine Liebenberg of Save Our Rhino, the longest running Facebook group that provides information and links and articles and news to a wide variety of audience, not only rangers and um, people who are in a position to help make laws, but people who are on the ground knowing what's going on and where things are happening. So, uh, in the first section, we learned a little bit about Save Our Rhino. But now, in this section, we're going to get a little more into the nitty-gritty. Lorraine, over your lifetime, you have seen rhino populations decrease. Wild rhino in the Kruger and across other places in Africa. Rhino, uh, last year alone in Africa, 1,300 rhino were poached. That is a huge increase compared to, let's say, 10 years ago, where maybe 1 to 200 rhino would be poached. This is a huge increase. It tells us something is going on with rhino. So, Lorraine, help us understand a little bit more about what poaching has done to the rhino, what you feel about it, and why this is such an important mission for you.
3: Okay, okay. first of all, um, I, I must say, to your listeners, that Save Our Rhino is against trade. That is important. Um, we feel that trade is going to lead to the extinction of wild rhino because the Asian markets are huge. Um, there is rampant crime and corruption involved in wildlife trade and we would ultimately like to see all rhino classified on Appendix 1 which affords them at least some protection. In well, South Africa, them,
2: it closes up the loopholes, but we still have to deal with domestic trade versus international trade. So folks, you need to really understand some of the nitty-gritty workings of CITES because CITES lists things in three appendices. Appendix 1 full protection. Appendix 2 some protection. They can be hunted, they can be killed, as long as that proves some benefit to conservation. Now that is a sticky wicket to define right there. Currently in South Africa, rhino are listed as Appendix 2. And Lorraine, you said an interesting uh, quantifying point there. You said trade would be detrimental to wild rhino. I agree with yes. you there. Trade
3: of rhino war
2: Trade of rhino horn would be detrimental to wild rhino because in South Africa, unlike many other places, most rhino, as we said earlier, are on private reserves. Let's say South Africa gets to trade in rhino horn.
3: I do have to correct you. Most rhino is on state-owned
2: grants. Okay, let's talk about this. So help us understand what trade in rhino horn would do to those that are on private rent, uh, private reserves and being bred versus state-owned versus wild, free-ranging?
3: Right. If we're going to go st- straight to, to the trades question, the trade is being, alloc- being vocated for by um, Private Rider Owners Association, which does not encompass all private rhino owners in South Africa. People must realise that. About uh, 25% of the rhino in South Africa are in the hands of private owners. So 75% of the rhino in South Africa are not privately owned. They are in state-owned, national, provincial municipal reserves, not in private hands.
2: So can those be hunted?
3: I don't know of cases of being hunted. The hunting is actually in the private hands. That is where the hunting, it was the incentive for people when long, long time ago when Ian Player was in the 60s involved with trying to get the rhino populations up. It was one of the incentives that was used for private people to breed with rhino, that they could get uh, income also from trophy hunting.
2: Okay, so there's sticky wicket number one. Where did this go wrong?
3: I think you've got to go and look at the poaching itself okay in the early 1990s when the ban on trade was first enforced that is international trade okay the poaching was genuinely absolutely negligible and then from 2003 it started to climb in south africa um the big thing is that it was getting out on the black market. The loopholes were found in the system. First of all, the, the domestic trade was allowed. Then they brought the moratorium in when they found that loop, uh, that it was going out anyway, d- divide, uh, even though it was supposed to be only be on the domestic markets. And then the loopholes were found by these unscrupulous owners and bridges and whatever pseudo hunting that was going on where people who were not actually hunters but came from countries like vietnam and they got the permits for these people to take the trophies out of the country so they were feeding an illicit market already then and that is where stimulation of the markets took place um that by the time south africa closed down that loophole the syndicates had already been opened up do you know that from the time that traffic the organization traffic actually is reported about the pseudo-hunting it took south africa eight years to bring in the moratorium on the domestic horn trade
2: that's astonishing yes eight years and once again folks this goes back i strongly suggest You read Julian Rademeyer's book, Killing for Profit. He was one of the first people, along with Save Our Rhino, to actually write a novel, a a book. It's more of a documentary book on the pseudo-trade, how corrupt it is, and how it was able to gain such a foothold and uh, the cartels move in. These pseudo-hunts. So once again, I'm just going to clarify it. Rhino in South Africa are listed as Appendix 2. That means they can be hunted, but not traded. But in hunting a rhino for its trophy, what they want as the trophy is the head and the horn. So when you would take a pseudo-hunt for this trophy, the head and the horn, and these Vietnam Vietnamese pseudo-hunts were usually... Uh, organized by professional hunters and private breeders as Lorraine said and then what happened is the trophy was sent out of the country permitted legally but then from there it entered the black market in the rhino horn trade not the trade of the head and the trophy just the horn so it opened up a whole host of problems and as Lorraine just said it took eight years to shut this loophole down. Why did it take so long?
3: You know, I do not have an answer for you. Incompetence.
2: Let me see if I can provide an answer. Uh, I think it's because there is a lot of money at stake. And Mm -hmm. part of, um, you know, South Africa is provinces versus a coordinated uh, system of data entry. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the left hand talking the right and not necessarily knowing what's going on and tracking. And then also the implementation Mm -hmm. of a digital age that began somewhere in this time frame to where now we can track these things, but perhaps it might be in some people's interests to not track it. I will leave it at that. So um, now we're stuck at a place here, a proposal on the table to trade in rhino horn. So if trade is allowed, you can just imagine the problem that would bring for all the other land where rhinos are bred going through some rather porous borders. Uh, it would not stop the black market. Lorraine, you yes. have you had made some points about po- um, poaching is not the main driver of the rhino trade. Can you help us understand that?
3: Okay, let's first just say that uh, the, the, the rhino, which are on Appendix 2, is only the southern white rhino. It does not refer to black rhino, of which we also have a population in South Africa. Trade those rhinos; they can be sent to a zoo or to another reserve or to another country, okay? So that is allowed under Appendix 2. Um, I just want to say that the moratorium was brought in in 2009 and the loophole with the pseudo-hunts was only closed down in 2012. We have to look at the rise of poaching when it really took off in South Africa. And the corruption has got a lot to do with it. We first got to, okay, let's first look at the Asian markets and the wealth that increased the economic growth that took place in the Asian markets, in China, in Vietnam. The markets opened up to the Western world. People were earning more. We had the rise of the middle classes. And as a result, the demand started there. The syndicates were there. The demand started. People had more money to spend so they could buy rhino horn. And then we have Um, I just want to see when that was, Um, 2008, a rumor surfaced uh, that rhino horn cures cancer and the poaching figures shot up, almost immediately.
2: So whoever brought that rumor up, South Africa got on the bandwagon, right?
3: Well, the, the, the big thing is, is the poaching, the syndicates got onto the bandwagon immediately because now they had a market. They had a market that was demanding rhino horn. We have to look what is going on also in South Africa itself. Uh, our political situation here, there's a lot of corruption, and I'm sure a lot of people in the world know about the problems that we have, but we have got a situation of state of of captured state owned enterprises and we have to ask is sandparks also one of them
2: when you say what? captured captured by who private vested embedded interests
3: Yes, this has happened in uh, I, I don't know if people or have read the story about the guptas uh, the the family in South Africa who are very enmeshed with President Zuma. Um, There are quite a few allegations that have been made that uh, various enterprises in South Africa, um, in other words, that the state is embroiled in practices that are not ethical, Um, our economic situation, there are people in, in positions in different departments who are not qualified, uh, that are there, so they can be manipulated, that they can be controlled. These are questions I'm throwing out. Um, we have to look what goes on then on the provincial levels as well. We've recently had local government elections where our cities like Johannesburg, Pretoria, the big cities, were taken over. The elections were taken over by the Democratic Alliance, Opposition Party, and now the can of worms is starting to open. All this corruption is coming out. So on, on, on local government elections in the cities, it's coming out. So the corruption is out there on national level as well. Um, the permit system, we have got more well, than one minor owner who has said that when they apply for a permit, um, for a runner which is going to be translocated or sent somewhere else, within days, they have a poaching incident. Where is that information coming from? Is it from the permit officers? There's a lot of allegations. People saying that they do not trust the the provincial permit officers. It's a tragedy. Um,
2: so this is what you mean by being captured. That the the people at the higher end of the lower part of the chain could be doing some shenanigans. And then I... as it moves up the chain to the, the the countrywide level, misinformation or incorrect information is circulating, so there's no real understanding of whose rhino are going where and what's happening to those rhino.
3: The records are kicked at the DEA, but there have been permits issued in the, like the permits that were issued for the pseudo-hunts. Um, we've never heard that anybody actually who worked in the permit office was actually prosecuted about that. You know, was, what happened to those people that were doing that? And and, and we still hear about practices, Northwest Province, Limpopo, which could be a bit questionable with the issuing of permits. Um, I haven't got it in black and white. I haven't got it in black and white. This is what is told to us.
2: What we need to pick up here and what we're going to talk about in our next section because we need to take a break right now is some of the unclarity that is going on throughout the the chain of layers and levels in South Africa. So stick with us. This is Ellie Weiss. My guest is Lorraine Liebenberg, and we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about the confusion that is going on. So stick with us. We'll be right back.
1: Ask the experts. Call toll free right now. 1 472 5787. And ask our All Star team to answer your questions. That's 1 472 5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big. Scary. Beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up, our forests don't grow, our communities go hungry, our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect, it's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot
0: Search Voice America at your favorite app
1: store. Are you finding your frequency? fridays at 2 p.m pacific time 5 p.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel have you become a member yet sign up now to become
0: a member of voice america it's always free and easy plus you get to take advantage of some great member benefits get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels keep track of your favorite episodes shows and hosts in your own customizable library Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click
1: register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. Voiceamerica.com You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World.
2: Back, this is our wild world, and my guest Lorraine Liebenberg. We've been talking about the confusion that's going on in South Africa around the trade in rhino horn. Lorraine has helped us understand what rhino are in South Africa, where they are, who has them versus wild ones. And we ended our last section with uh, the understanding that cor- corruption and political corruption, and at the provincial level, is rather rampant and rife. So, Lorraine, we were talking, we ended up the last section, that a lot of these corrupt officials have been caught inside the Kruger and elsewhere, but they have not been prosecuted. So that kind of leads us to wonder, what is happening On not only on the law enforcement, but the judicial side. And you have some interesting information to give us a better understanding of what's going on, what allows us to keep going.
3: Right. Um, The type of people that have been caught, uh, let me stress one thing. We have got fantastic guys and women on the ground who are dedicated to what they are doing. But the rotten apples are among them. Um, The type of people that have been caught include rangers and police and soldiers and clerks and technicians. The list just goes on. The question that we've got is how far does that rot go up into the ranks? Um, How many people are being protected? Um, Who do we report to? If we do get information, who do we trust? This is a very, very difficult question. Um, one of the greatest disservices that was done uh, to wildlife um, crime investigation was the dissolution of the scorpions. But they were allegedly getting a bit close to certain high-up people. That, that, that is where they, they were very good at what they were doing. Um, it was completely, uh, they were completely dissolved and the hawks took their place.
2: Do you think that was the scorpions were dissolved on purpose because yes. they were oh, okay?
3: Yes, yes, yes.
2: Go ahead, tell us more. Okay. <laughs> they
3: were investigating people that were high up in the government ranks, and then they were dissolved. Um, then I just want to tell you, in 2014, there was a a private investigative anti poaching company which was employed in the KMP. They were called Pathfinder um they they had a contract that was actually going to go on until 2016 and suddenly the contract inside the park was terminated and I've got a quote here that was that was in um, uh, published in the times um at the time. this is what was was written no one among the Kruger National Park staff could say. Why Pathfinder had been told to leave. A source in the park said, we have no idea what's going on, but we all suspect that some mighty forces are at work. Somebody very influential and very senior and very political was very threatened by Pathfinder, I can only guess that Pathfinder was getting hot doing the work they were supposed to do. Wow, that's an addiction.
2: <laughs> wow, that just gave me chills. That, so listeners out there, you understand not only some of the risk Lorraine is taking in speaking us today, but how intense. CITES and COP17 is going to be, especially when it comes to the proposals regarding rhino trade and the trade in rhino horn. This insidious corruption and loss of this magnificent species can be allowed to be, to continue. Help us understand and impart to our audiences what it is that we can do and whether it's writing letters, support. Help us understand what our global listenership can help and how we can help save our rhino, not only on the face of Earth, but your group. Right. Um,
3: we, okay, the first thing is that we actually need pressure on the government. Um, in 2014, uh, when we had the global march in Pretoria, for example. Um, The minister, uh, Minister Edna Molewa, was at that specific march. And I actually gave the main speech at that march. And one of the ministers... uh, addressed my speech to the minister and as a result, she, she threw away her speech and she spoke ad hoc to us. And one of the things that she said is that they are speaking to the judiciary um, and that the laws are going to be changed in terms of rhino poaching, process. Prospect- Etc. Now, our public prosecutors, one of our best public pro- prosecutors is in the Mpumalanga province, uh, Ansi Fenta. She has got, I think, t- practically 100% prosecution rate, and um, the magistrates there are working well with her and they are really getting these guys and they're getting them behind bars and they're giving goods out and this is something that should be spreading as a deterrent to the rest of South Africa and it's not happening. Now one of the big kingpins for example who was arrested in KwaZulu-Natal and he's behind a lot of the poaching allegedly, I will use the word allegedly again Um, he's out on bail. That case has been going on for such a long time and the allegations are that in the original uh, trial when he was brought to court um, that the magistrates were they bribed or what was going on this guy kept on getting uh, out on on, on bail and it would be reseduled and he's still out on bail we've got a, a lady in South Africa her name is Jamie Joseph she has been Investigating this and getting information, and even though she took that information to various official people in KZN, KwaZulu Natal, and up in 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 South Africa and other areas of South Africa where it should have been dealt with, nothing was done. In South Africa, there is a lady. Her name is Jamie Joseph. She went into KwaZulu-Natal and investigated what was going on in there, in that province. And one of the people who has previously been arrested, a man who's called, whose name is Gwala, is allegedly one of the main kingpins running the poaching in KwaZulu-Natal. Now this man has been t- to court a few times and let out on bail, and the case gets postponed, and it's been dragging on and on. We have to ask the question, the original magistrates involved, uh, are they straight or aren't they? I'm putting that question out. Are they straight or aren't they? What I can say is that despite Jamie approaching different people in authority nothing was done until she finally got a meeting with the public prosecutor of South Africa and as a result of that the case was moved to a different magistrate's court and the last hearing was On the 22nd, and the magistrate is looking like they're going to put their foot down now finally. But this man, this guala, has said that he will carry on poaching as long as he can. He said it straight out, straight to Jamie's face. So this is an indication of poor judicial procedures in some of the areas of South Africa. It's it's not sending a deterring message out. We have got other kingpins who are either out on bail or are, on, are in prison at the moment awaiting their court cases. Cases dragging on for four years. It's not on.
2: So basically, despite all the efforts that your group and the amazing number of professionals, rangers, um, lawmakers that are a part of your group or get information from your group, what you're telling us is that it's not moving, that South Africa is right now, as we speak, in the middle of a lot of goings on, corruption and uh, not doing anything about the prosecutions or the legal side of the kingpins and the poachers that are known. So, folks, once again, this highlights how critical this conference of parties at the Convention on International Trade of Endangered Species of Flora and Fauna, and once again, I highlight the operative word trade, is going to define for our future and for these iconic, magnificent megafauna. Um, you know, are we going to commodify them and industrialize them and farm them for our pleasure, for um, medicinal measures that we know have no meaning, that have no cure? Are we going to lose rhino because humans, are so greedy and corrupt, and we're going to let this continue. You know this thing, this
3: this sustainable utilization, which is the go-word or whatever you want to call it at the moment, it is being used for the commercialization of wildlife. It's when we go and look at the purest conservationists. I'm talking about people like Dr. Ian Player who said there must be areas set aside um, for wildlife to roam free and wild. It must be wilderness areas. It must be be practically untouched by humans at all. The only humans that will go in is on foot. They will leave no footprint. They will come out. Those type of areas. That is what our heritage is, and it is actually what our government uh, is supposed to be doing under environmental, that those areas stay pristine, and it's not happening. This thing of it pays, if it pays, it stays, and it's got to benefit the communities that there should be buffer zones and those buffer zones should be enforced they are not being enforced there are too many people to give to, for the park to sustain them all right and and, and to, This whole thing, what's happened in South Africa with people losing jobs, that there's been no um, development in industrialization or jobs or whatever, but there's no incentives. You should be creating the jobs, creating the jobs that people work for their money. Is what should be doing on the borders of the parks. Why are they not developing those areas? Don't just say, oh, well, you know, we're going to use our water." You can't use the water; There are too many of them. But teach them proper farming practices. Teach them where areas are dry. Use sand, these sand dam principles, which are used in Kenya's dry areas and so on, which are wonderful. And let me tell you, those vegetables that have been growing in Kenya are on the shelves in South Africa, and so are the ones from... Uh, Zambia as well, are on the shelves in South Africa. So it's working in other countries, you know.
2: <laughs> it, it is Come working. On. And, you know, this is something we've talked about mm. an awful lot. One of the most wasted resources across sub-Saharan Africa is the human resource. And yes. the whole wildlife pays, it stays, is not an argument that works in contemporary times. We have anymore. to We have to set aside... Places, and that's our Wilderness Act, that are untrammeled and pristine and are for wilderness, wildlife, and earth to be biodiverse, and not for people to recreate in. So, Lorraine, um, as we wrap up today's program, what would be the thing you would like to tell the world?
3: I want to make an appeal to the international world. We We cannot do this on our own. We cannot. We need the world to put pressure on the governments that are involved with this crime. We need enormous pressure. I would love to see the threat of sanctions, which the World Wildlife Fund has called for on countries like Vietnam. I would love to see pressure being put on South Africa to get their house into order because trying to talk about a trade model in the face of the corruption that is going on in this country is actually ridiculous. And I hope that CITES has got the vision and the common sense to see that as well.
2: Excellent. Thank you. And on that note, we are out of time today. Thank you, Lorraine, for joining us.
3: Thank you very much, Ellie. A great, great privilege to to speak to you and to your uh, listeners.
2: And the feeling is very mutual, so we're going to catch up later. So listeners, stay tuned. There are things you can do. Pay attention to what is happening. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening.
1: Thank you again for joining us this week.